Why do you say that, Father? You aren't afraid, are you? No. But I respect some of the superstitions of others. Often they are founded in fact. Hi, and welcome to Sorceress, a podcast where I chat with authors and audiobook narrators about books and especially audiobooks in the urban fantasy category. If you dig wisecracking wizards, conflicted lycanthropes, antagonistic undead, and all those other things that go bump in the night and then get bumped back, you're in the right place. So make yourself comfortable, salt the doors and the windowsills, and join me, James Anderson Foster, as we get to know the creators of this fascinating genre. I'm McLeod Andrews. I'm an actor, narrator, voiceover artist. I've produced some films, and I'm the voice of the Sandman Slim series audiobooks. Okay, so tonight I'm speaking with McLeod Andrews, and, you know, he's an audiobook narrator, an actor on stage, uh, screen, big and small, and when it comes to describing McLeod Andrews, I really can't do any better than the words he used himself. He's a guy, and he does stuff. And as you'll hear when you listen to this interview, he does a lot of it. So sit back and enjoy this conversation I got to have with one of my all-time favorite narrators, McLeod Andrews. <laughs> you know, sort of, you know, tonight I'm talking to McLeod Andrews. Oh, you mean like a, a, a audio uh, bio? Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Uh, if you don't want to, I'll just make it up. <laughs> International man of mystery. That's right. He's talking to McLeod Andrews. He's a guy. <laughs> does stuff. Right. <laughs> exactly. Sits a lot. So, um, McLeod. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for being here, man. I really My appreciate pleasure. it. Uh, so excited because we are like now just a couple days shy of a month before book 10 in Sandman Slim drops. Yeah. Dude, 10 yeah. books. I know. What's Not that? enough. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's uh, Hollywood Dead, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my biggest question uh, is, you know, I, as a narrator, uh -huh. um, I know that uh, no matter... And, and how do I want to phrase this so it comes out right? Uh, no matter no matter what the author writes for a character, when it comes to performing these characters in books, right? I'm I'm creating them out of bits and pieces of me, yeah. you know, my own experiences and stuff. Um, and and over a series, that kind of evolves as as I evolve, as as my understanding of the character evolves, and and as you know, the the author uh, throws new things at him now. Out of a ten book series, uh -huh. like by the by the time we get to that point, I'm always wondering, like, how much of this is is you know the author, and how much of this character, how much am I hearing, you know, just McLeod Andrews, you know, you know what I mean? Like, how how much have you evolved this character over that length of time? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I someone actually uh, sent me a shot me a message saying, hey, I've noticed. Uh, I think it was in the last book, uh, uh, 
they, they, they as I noticed that you you've kind of changed the character a little bit since the beginning. I, I think he's uh, and to which I replied, yeah, it's been conscious, um, or at least mostly conscious. And I think if anything, I've probably just driven him a little lower and deeper, mm-hmm. um, which is probably a part partly just seven years of speaking for eight hours a day my voice just being shredded and naturally being like oh no i can go down there now <laughs> just being like oh fuck I <laughs> it's just scar tissue but uh um i think it's also just because sandman's uh stark goes through just goes through the ringer he's in a short amount of time actually in in the book years uh it does it feels like much more has happened but he's just he's literally been to hell and back and uh that was just book one. Yeah, I know. And that was just book one. Uh, so as things progress, I think he just gets more and more over it all. You know, he's his his main goal starting out was revenge. And he was driven by a desire to, uh, you know, find Alice. And when he uh, when he accomplished that goal and and uh, got her into heaven, there was sort of this, well, now what? And it and there's it's one of the things I love about this series is there is a there isn't like a fix to all of it. It's just life, and he's just a guy in it doing the best he can to protect the people he cares about. Um, and so I just kind of started. He's just more worn out a little bit with it all, and a little bit over it all. It's like all the big missions. He's just like I'm not. I, I'm not a crusader. I'm not a hero i'm like uh, the world's already fucked i can't save it <laughs> um i'm He's just tired. i'm just trying to deal and i just know that there are people who you know for all my grumbling and for all my you know jagged edges make me happier make make me think that like the world is worth it um but stuff keeps getting in the way <laughs> <laughs> whether it's god or satan Right. One of the things I love about this series so much, and and by the way, just so you know, um, uh, and I don't know if I've told you this, mm-hmm. but uh, your narration in Sandman Slim, this is one of the uh, one of the driving forces for getting me into narration. Oh my gosh! That's, oh yeah, that's amazing to hear. Uh, I'm honored. Uh, you, you and Luke Daniels, man. Oh man, he's 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 the best. I I miss uh, every once in a while and every once in a blue moon. Uh, brilliance would hire Luke and I to do something together. And that was, those, that's some of the most fun I, I'll have in a studio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, but, but that's amazing um, because you are quite an accomplished narrator yourself. And so that. Uh, Thank you for saying so and feel free to do so whenever <laughs> and wherever. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I was it, just listening to a sample of the uh, uh, Adrian's uh, Undead oh, Diaries. Yeah. That yeah. sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> that that was a blast. I just did book nine. So. Oh yeah, there you go. We'll yeah, see. Nice. Yeah, now I would I would I would counter and ask you how how has your characterization evolved over nine books? Well, you know, this is supposed to be about you, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I would say exactly everything you just said. Um, no, it's 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 worked out. It's been interesting. Um, you know, I, I started with the premise that uh, yeah and and it's it's first person a lot like i mean exactly like sandman slim uh, that series which i is just that's my favorite style oh, yeah. of narration uh 
I think for obvious reasons, because I guess I think of myself as an actor before I think of myself as a narrator. And so when it's first person, it it's it quite literally is inhabiting a role yeah. um, and telling a story through them. Uh, but anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, no, that's that's fine, because like I said, this is about you. I'm going to try and keep mine brief. Um, it, you know, it's it, I, I initially I just tried to establish a real a real person. And, you know, then how does that real person respond to some crazy shit that's happening to him? <laughs> right. You know, which, I mean, I think is not unlike the Sandman Slim series. Yeah, yeah. There's like the various coping mechanisms. Uh, yeah. One of the things I, I dig so much about this series, though, and um, you know, part of it is is Richard's writing, mm. and I, I think a large part of it for me really is is your performance of it, is that at, at his... At his heart, you know, Stark, Jimmy, I mean, dude's a nerd. <laughs> yeah. He is, you know, right? True. Like before getting sent to hell, he's just this skinny little nerd who could do magic. And like that was his thing. And he was good at it. And, you know, and so, yeah, he, he, he starts off, right? The book one, he's, he's fresh out of hell. And he's, he's become this sort of badass uh, as, a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, as much as, you know, you've got that, that noir badass thing going on, you still get that undercurrent of, you know, I, Max Overdrive, I think is like the perfect outlet for his weird nerdiness, you know? Um, yeah. And I love that. It's, it's just one of those things that helps make him real, a real, a real person. Yeah. He's a true, he's a true fan of, uh, uh, of the things he loves, you know, whether it's movies or, or, you know, jukebox oldies or donuts. Uh, <laughs> um, like he, he's, he, do, he goes all in on the things that he knows work for him or, or whiskey, I guess you can <laughs> definitely can't forget whiskey and maledictions. Um, no, that's, that's true. Uh, it's interesting because I've never really thought of him as a nerd, but you're right. I mean, but we don't get to see that side of him. Yeah. But you just kind of know, like in grade school. Yeah. You know, he was not the popular kid. Yeah. I mean, some of my favorite sequences in Sandman Slammer when his insecurities are revealed, you know, when he's worried about how his life is affecting Candy or even Kasabian at times, uh, uh, just like when he's concerned about his imprint on the world, uh, and just kind of to to quote the dude, wanting to be wanting to be benign at at least. Uh, so sorry, my wife just got home. Hello, I'm doing a podcast. Oh, sorry. That's all right. You're fine. <laughs> Hello. It's your house too. <laughs> so uh, yeah, go ahead. You know, I was gonna say, uh, you know, speaking of your wife, uh, you don't just narrate. You you are all over the place. In Gosh, acting, that is true. Right? I mean, I feel you do, it as you do well. stage, you do screen. Um, you know, what do you got What do you got going on? Oh, right now? Besides everything, yeah. <laughs> well, certainly not everything. Um, I've got a, a group of buddies who I co-produce films with, uh, and actually another, another friend who I uh, produce films with as well now. So uh, we made uh, in 2000... 16, I think, They Look Like People, which was our first feature, came out. Uh, and we made that for ourselves mostly and and uh, threw ourselves into making it as good as we possibly can, of course. Um, but we were 
perfectly resigned to, you know, just it's screening in a backyard somewhere at like a keg party. <laughs> um, but we were kind of blown away by people actually digging it and it getting, um, I'm going to just close the door here, knock out some of the ambient noise. Um, of course, it's going to get hot as bajoogie cocks. I don't want to say bad words. Um, uh, Hold on, let me write that down. Bajoogie cocks. Yeah. It's B E J O O G O G S. Bajoogie cocks. I think I just changed it. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we were blown away that that actually went somewhere. Um, and so we were like, well, let's do it again because. First and foremost, because we love doing it. And secondly, because we were like, well, maybe we can, we actually have a shot at this. So our second film is, um, its festival premiere is nigh, I think in September. Uh, currently it's called The Rasulka, but uh, I probably shouldn't. We haven't, we haven't had our like marketing confab yet. So I probably shouldn't say too much about how we're going to roll that out. Um, and then we just shot another film. Uh, and are working on post for that. And then I'm in post for another film I made with a buddy in Cincinnati, the one that will be, that I mentioned before, that'll be uh, premiering out there in November. That one's about a guy who falls in love with a ghost. Um, uh, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, so when does your wife get to see you? Uh, <laughs> she sees me, but I'm not, I'm not always very... Because I, I don't have like an office, I'll just, you know, I, I go to the studio and I record books and then I come home and I work at the kitchen table. And so uh, she'll be like, hi. And I'm like, I can't talk. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a, I'm in the middle of a conference call. She's like, fine. Um, so she sees me. Um, but no, we, we make time to go out for dinner or, or do something, <laughs> do stuff. Um, so what, what drives you to do? all of this? God, that's a great question. I don't know if I've ever thought of that. I think, um, to go way back, my grandfather was a jeweler and, <laughs> um, no, but, uh, I guess in more serious terms, uh, there's been kind of a tinkerer artist strain in my family that maybe is somewhat genetic that I just, I get lost very easily in, uh, in acts of construction and, uh, uh, I, uh, you know, some of it, the, the, the sheer amount of things that end up piling up is more because it's fun to create things. And so you tend to underestimate how much time they take and you just say, <laughs> you just say, yeah, I want to do that. And then you're, and then you figure out how to make it work later when you're, you know, uh, back is up against the wall. Um, but yeah, and then there's also the aspect of it is, you know, as an actor, you have to keep as many balls in the air as possible just to make a living. So, yeah. you know, where where one aspect, uh, you know, I, I started doing voiceover initially because, well, I always loved the idea of it. I loved getting behind a microphone. I just, I genuinely love uh, playing with a mic. I think it's one of the most fun uh, toys for an actor to play with um, out there. But, and also I don't have to, I don't have to do it in front of a live audience, so I can just go right into my subconscious and uh, be, you know, just be as much myself as I possibly can when I'm in a tiny dark room. <laughs> plus, plus, you don't <laughs> Which, have to wear pants. Exactly, and you don't have to wear pants. Uh, and so I try to bring that to my recordings. But um, 
what was your question? <laughs> maybe this is maybe this ramble rambling explanation is the answer to your question of why I get involved in all this stuff and what drives me to do it. It's because because after about after about uh, two minutes, I forgot what I was just doing, and so I start looking into the next thing, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got a pile here. <laughs> so, oh, speaking of a pile, so like to prepare for this, I, I you know did. A like at least a solid five minutes of research on you. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you did not. I am very glad that it was just five minutes. <laughs> so 334 books on Audible. Uh, well, the ones under my name anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and obviously uh, there there are books I'm sure that are recorded and, and in the pipeline that haven't even shown up yet. That is true as well. Um, but something that caught my attention, and I didn't realize you did this, was um, the Warriors, the, the Hunter oh, series, the yeah. cats. Yeah. And, and I looked at that and I was like, oh man, I, God, I remember those books. And then I realized that all six of those books dropped on the same day last year. Yeah. What, what, what was that about? Like, I mean, um, how, how, what was the process of, you know, getting all six of those books done? Was it like, you know, you just locked yourself in the studio until they were finished or? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it was just, uh, I think it was a solid month, maybe a little bit more, just just with uh, just with my clans. Uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. We booked it just like I would any other series of books, only it was in succession, those six, because they did, they all came to me at the same time. And uh, actually, uh, Eight more of those just came to me in a block as well, which I am oh actively in the process of scheduling. <laughs> Not, so are, are they all? Is it going to follow the same pattern, or like you get all eight out at once? I yeah, I think they're all going to be released at the same time. I hope that this isn't, you know, I hope I'm allowed to be saying this, but I can't imagine why they wouldn't want people to know. Um, and and if you're not, that's going to make this podcast even cooler. That's right. You you get you get the <laughs> exclusive, the exclusive. Uh, uh, oh, what's? Um, I'm sorry. Long day in the, the studio. The oh, exclusive yeah. scoop. That's it. The scoop. Yeah, we, we talk for a living, but somebody else writes our words. That's right. That is <laughs> nothing has ever been truer. Especially whenever somebody asks me questions, I'm like, oh god, uh, you're. Yeah, um, yeah. So wait. Uh, yeah, Warriors. Can we just talk about it? that? Is a fun, fun series. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I loved doing that. Uh, it's so well written, and the characters are are so well drawn. And uh, and I got I've I've got some flack. I got some flack for one of the characters. Graystripe is a is a fan favorite. Um, and I I took a risk on him, uh, and gave him like a little bit of a, a kind of lisping sound. Because he was described as a uh, as this big fluffy gray affable uh, sidekick kind of, and that was the other thing is, uh, um, you know, you had Firestar, which I kept kind of close to close to self, and uh, but I wanted to differentiate them because they're aging and growing together, and so I kind of took a leap and was inspired and was like, yeah, it just feels right to me. And uh, there were I, I I heard about it. <laughs> I went and re I went and read the Audible reviews, and and wow, some oh, people no. really, some people were really not fans of that choice. But uh, <laughs> some people came to my defense. But so for those who did not like it, I uh, I'm sorry that it wasn't your favorite. 
Um, now, so for people who don't know this series, we're talking about cats. Yes, we're talking about cats. Yeah, feral, feral house cats, essentially. Now, did did that figure in? And and this is I had another question I wanted to ask, but this is now you know front of mind because I'm I'm distractible too. Um, did that? Fi- how did that figure in? to your characterizations did you go in thinking you know what i'm just going to treat these like people or okay these are people but they're cats or you know what i think was that the like second one i i tried to be mindful like there you, there's certainly no ignoring a certain uh feline quality to them all um there was the occasional meow written in which was always when i got them i'd, I'd look at the engineer and i'd be like okay all right uh all right, we're gonna. Can you turn the gain down a little bit? And he's like, he's like, yeah, 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 but I got it. I'm like, cool, good. And then I just try and screech something out that sounded as legit as possible. <laughs> like, all right, I, I hope that worked. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, anytime you anthropomorphize animals or monsters or anything, they're really just playing on you know archetypes of of human characters. Uh, and so, you know, Tiger Claw is the quintessential, you know, conniving, powerful. He's Darth Vader, essentially. Um, you know, and Firestar is the, the, you know, young protagonist who underestimates just how much power he has within him uh, and who's, who just has an innate and unshakable sense of loyalty and, uh, and, uh, uh you know, desired uh, drive, I guess, to, what was the word? I'm like, purpose, I guess, sense of purpose and uh, to be, desire to be useful. Um, and so it's, your, it's your classic hero story. Yeah, it's your classic hero story. It's basically Star Wars. <laughs> it's basically Star Wars, but with cats. Star Wars with cats. Yeah. See, that should, that should be like That should the be blur. the tagline. <laughs> right? Star well, Wars I mean, with you- cats. Who, who wouldn't immediately say, uh, you know what, yeah, go ahead and add that to my cart. Yeah, let's, exactly. Let's <laughs> yeah, and then Blue, Blue Star is kind of your, I don't know, maybe, I don't want to say Obi-Wan Kenobi, but she's kind of the spirit guide. And then literally some of the cats after their nine lives are up become literal spirit guides. Um, you wanted to talk about Sam and Slim, but man, here we are. <laughs> yeah, no, this is great. <laughs> Star Wars with cats. Star I'm, Wars I'm, with I'm cats. There. I, I'm here for that. Yeah. Um, so you, I mean, not everything you do mm-hmm. is in the urban fantasy genre. That is true. Uh, because you, you're everywhere doing everything. I mean, you, <laughs> you do a ton of superhero stuff, right? Yeah. Have, well. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp just came oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, ago. yeah. The Marvel books. Yeah. Yeah. Those are always fun. Um, the, God, you did that series with, uh, uh Brandon. Brandon Sanderson, Sanderson. The Reckoners. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. love, that that's definitely one of my favorite series that I've gotten to do. Love that series. Yeah, just so imaginative. And and on top of that, he's so good at at uniting character and plot. You know, it's like you can just have characters doing things and fulfilling the necessary structure of a story. Um, but he manages to make it matter for the characters. Like it's when 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 your hero has to kill somebody, he doesn't just say, and it really hurts his feelings. It's he works it, <laughs> he threads it through the whole entire book where you intuitively understand why this is such a heartbreaking betrayal and or like a, a difficult decision to make. I, I think I really admire his capacity to do that. I, I love it when authors create stakes yeah. for the characters. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and and you can tell when when someone's trying to shoehorn a man, and you just go, "No, really," because you you get you're, you're in the middle of a scene, and then it's like, and then it you know it'll just say something perfunctory like, "And nothing had ever hurt him worse," and you go, "Oh, oh, okay, oh wow, all right, had no idea." <laughs> uh, let me retake that line. <laughs> Could not tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, with you being like all over the genre scope you still do a fair amount of urban fantasy. Even this, this movie, uh, you know, the, the, the guy that falls in love with the ghost, uh, I think falls in, into that category. Is this, is it a favorite of yours or is it something that, you know, you're just, you're good at so people keep coming back to you? That's a good question. Um, with regard to audiobooks, it's, yeah, I think it's definitely a, a favorite in that I think it lends itself well to the medium. Uh, you, because you can stretch a little further with characters, which is also, I, I like doing that. It, I just find it more fun and interesting when you have a huge host of characters. You can go bigger. You can make it a little bit more theatrical. Um, so I think it lends itself very well to the medium. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I also probably next to, next to doing urban fantasy, sci-fi, um, my next favorites to do are probably nonfiction just because it's, I mean, what's better than getting paid to learn something. Right. Uh, like that's just, uh, that's the, one of the greatest perks of the job. Uh, and then after that, uh, probably literary fiction. I love when writers, I love doing works where writers are really playing with prose and really digging deep into the nuances of motivation and, and, uh, um, you know, exploring just people live in different lives, different contexts. Uh, uh, yeah. So are you a book nerd? I don't know if I'm a, I don't know if I'd call myself a book nerd. I kind of feel like you might be after that. <laughs> <laughs> I am a little bit. Maybe that's why I, I tend to, in my spare time, I tend to, uh, oh, little notifications. Uh, I received a message from someone on Facebook. Uh, get out of my life, Facebook. <laughs> um, uh, Which reminds me, our sponsor tonight is no. <laughs> it's Mark Zuckerberg. Hi, guys. <laughs> he is not a lizard. <laughs> that is debatable. Actually, I hear he's a he's probably a pretty cool guy with a um a lot on his shoulders. Obviously, um, I feel like I've known run into people who tangentially know someone who knows someone who like went to his wedding. Um, <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, book, book nerdery. Book nerdery. Right. Yeah. So I, I tend to, I tend to on my spare time, if I pick up a book, it's probably either going to be a comic book or uh, nonfiction. Uh, probably in part because I spend so much of my time already reading fiction. Mm -hmm. um, and also I'm a little bit of a snob about it, I guess. Print or uh, comicsology? Comicsology. Yeah. You, do you not know about this? I don't know about this. Oh my God! It's it's part of the Amazon empire. Oh God! The, dig, digital comic books. <laughs> digital comic books. No, yeah. I tend to. I mean, that's another part of it. I read when I narrate. I I read off of an iPad. So uh, by the time I get home, I I tend to stick with paper, um, yeah. just because I need to give my eyes a rest. Um, uh, although my thumbs get so tired holding that. <laughs> Heavy book. <laughs> so, DC or Marvel? 
Uh, oh, Marvel. Or, or like Vertigo or, yeah. Sure, sure, Marvel. I mean, my, my collection. You, ha- you, you have to say Marvel. You, you, you have, have to say Marvel. I mean, mostly just, I mean, the cinematic universe, Marvel is crushing it. DC uh, always de- disappoints me, uh, except for the Nolan Batmans. Those were awesome. Uh, yeah. I, my, I collected, my mom, <laughs> my mom actually just, um, I, the one comic I actually collected, like I would go out and try and get in sequential order, was a Spawn growing mm-hmm. up so image uh and my mom was recently like i was thinking about uh uh oh, oh jack my, my nephew jack was uh looking through your your stuff the other day and he saw the spawn comics and jack is like five now i think maybe four. Oh no and i was no. like no no mom <laughs> those are oh. those are those, i just like mom those are too those are too mature for him and she was like oh i know i know but anyway uh, can I get them out of the house? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. So she's going to she's gonna mail them to me so I can relive the glory days. Um, they're, but, they're redoing the movies for Spawn, aren't they, or something? I hope they're redoing them. It didn't get a fair shake. Uh-uh. You know who would... Yeah, I think I heard that, that. That Yeah, they're... I don't know. Maybe I'm just dreaming, but I hope they are. Yeah, I hope they are, too. It would be nice to see an actual good representation. that Because they tried to Hollywoodify it, and it's a very dark you know, kind of twisted comic. And, you know, it's it's much like Sandman Slim. It's, there's actually a lot of similarities to Sandman Slim and Spawn. But, uh, you know, it's it's kind of morally, there's a moral sort of relativity to it, uh, to the world of that comic that I, that I love. Um, yeah, I, that's kind of common, I, I think, to a lot of things. I mean, in the urban fantasy genre in general, like I think one of the hallmarks is, that moral relativity. Right. And, uh, right. Yeah, well, so it's, it's, you know, it tends to be anti dogmatic because I guess in, in and of itself, you're already, you're creating a whole world that exists outside of the structure of our society right now. So, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of baked into the concept a little bit because also you have to set up your own rules when you're creating a kind of fantasy world that's laid on top of this one. Um, uh, but yeah, that's true. The anti-hero, definitely, definitely big. But the thing that I love, like about Sandman Slim, for example, is uh, he's not amoral. He's just, uh, he's just not dogmatically moral. He doesn't isn't prescribed to a, uh, you know, the the there there since since God is sort of since God and the devil are both just kind of guys trying to make it work in the Sam and Slim series, there's no one really to please. So he, so he just tries to please the people around him, uh, and do right by them and please himself. And he's a very, you know, he's a very moral character actually. Like he's, he, he, that's what I find really interesting about him. He's got a pretty strong moral code despite, despite being such a rough and tough so-and-so. Anyway, yeah, it's funny. I, I, as we're talking about this, I was thinking about morality specifically in Sandman Slim, where you know you're right. God, God, and the devil are just. I mean, there are times when you know uh, I don't think we have to worry too much about spoilers for a, a seven year series, right? Right. <laughs> right. But you know, when when God's an absentee dad, mm-hmm. um, and, and the devil, you know, like I mean, he he's kind of a 
a decent guy at times, right? I mean, yeah. he's when, when you're looking, when you're thinking about, okay, who do I want to have my back on this? Like the most reliable one <laughs> is probably going to be, you know, Satan. Yeah, um, yeah, or at least in at least in Stark's case, but I, especially as the series goes on, you know, uh, Mister Munin tends to in more more like in subtle ways, sometimes subtle ways, sometimes not so subtle, tends to drop little 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 signposts for him and be like here let me give you this artifact that i found when before humans existed i don't worry about it here it'll help you it'll bring your friend back to life there you go but it's all guilt (laughs) yeah right it's all guilt guilt, (laughs) you know yeah he he just feels bad about how he you know stole the universe to begin with he's so Um, he's so god is actually really uh full pretty full of regret in the sandman slim books it's also interesting when you think about when we say God, which one? Because yeah. he split into seven pieces, which I've always wanted to, them to like transform, like uh, you know Voltron to back together, and be like, well, but 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 what was the original God like, Kadri? Yeah. Come on, come on, Richard, tell me. I want to see him be like raw raw and like turn into like a <laughs> so raging, all powerful asshole filled <laughs> right. with guilt. Exactly, filled uh, with guilt. But but even with that, I, I think Richard writes in, uh, you know, at, at the very least, you know, some sort of moral character mm-hmm. for Stark. You know, in, like in the first books, uh, a lot of them, you know, it was Vidoc, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, but I see the, what you mean. Yeah, but then you know, in the in you know the, the this last one, um, oh shoot, what was the name of it? I'm drawing a blank on it now where he was rolling with the, uh, you know, the, the Mad Max crew from, yeah. from hell, literally. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, the, the, the priest. Um, Traven? Or, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Father Traven. Father yeah. Traven was kind of that moral figure. But the thing is, with each of those, like the thing that they have in common, they, not only are they like this, um, it, maybe not moral guidance, for Stark, but you know, they certainly represent a moral position, but they each come from like severely questionable moral backgrounds, sure. right? You yeah. Know, uh, um, no, that's nothing, that's nothing's black and white, even the black and white stuff in this series. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, everybody's got their grievance, sort of. And it's really uh, your bad guys in, in uh, Sam and Slim are the righteous ones. Uh, the people who are so sure that that is, I think, if if there's if there's one kind of very clear, I guess, moral impulse from, uh, you know, through the lens of Richard Cadry, it's that it's that uh, evil is done by people who think they know uh, how things work um, or how they should work. Uh, it's it's the righteous who are who are most at fault for. The ill in the universe. Although then there's Wormwood, which is just sort of greed. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, greed and righteousness, that, I guess, are the two sides of the evil coin. Yeah, there, there's still that certainty for them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that, I guess the, the certainty is that uh, that sort of in, independent, like, the certainty is that there is no, no such thing as good, so I will just do what's right for me, I guess. Uh, um, yeah. Interesting. I, 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 feel, I feel like it's on the tip of my brain, but I can't quite articulate it. But And the, the common theme for, for our heroes is that they question everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, never, never know if they're doing the right thing. They just hope they're doing the right enough thing in this moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I was just thinking about uh, a, a minute ago when we were talking about Munin and God being sort of broken apart into seven uh, p- versions of himself? 
uh, I think that's kind of, that's, <laughs> there, there's something wonderful in that, and that, especially if you want to go on down the chain and say that, you know, man and the characters in the book are, uh, you know, drawn in God's image, that God, in this case, is a a being uh, who, for all he tries, cannot reconcile with himself, cannot cannot reconcile the different competing forces within him. And so it like literally has to break them apart because he can't figure out how to be, which is an incredibly powerful uh, 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 concept emotionally. And I think really relatable in a way. And, and it, mm-hmm. you know, trickles down to, you know, our hero, you have Stark who half of, uh, you know, in every book, there's some way where he is, he is having trouble coping with, or, or placing, figuring out his own existence and and these, his desire to be normal with the fact of of the powers he has, um, which is well, a, and even, yeah. Go ahead. Even he went through that breaking apart. Yeah, even he. You're right. He when he when his angel half uh, tore out from him. That's a that's actually that's a common theme. We we should joint write a uh, dissertation. <laughs> on Sandman's land, but we should we should call up my friend uh, Dave Rand to join us on that one. He is a he is a major authority on all things Sandman's land. Excellent. I'm I'm trying to get Richard on on the show. So. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. So maybe now you know if I can get him to listen to this episode, <laughs> right? He'll want to he'll want to come on to uh, just correct everything. Like we you guys on. are thinking way too hard about. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Hey, Richard, so, remember that time when you wrote this character and how it, it's so interesting how it influences guys, <laughs> guys. Yeah. Our, that's so that's the perfect segue into my next question, uh-huh. which is, right, I, as an actor now, as a kid, mm-hmm. were you weird? Yeah, I used to. I mean, I, I thought I was weird. I, I certainly I wore it as a as I wore that adjective as a badge of honor like you know when you do the name game and it's like say your name and an adjective that describes you and you go ah. and I would go like McLeod weird <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know I thought it was a I always thought weird was a a, a good trait um, I, I guess looking back I wasn't that weird a kid uh, but <laughs> I was goofy you, I was always are you goofy. weird now oh sure I mean everyone's weird there is no non weird person it's all perspective, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I was just more goofy. Um, yeah, I was goofy, slightly mischievous, um, but ultimately never rocked the boat, you know, never malicious. Uh, you know, I was kind of impish more than, more than anything. Uh, um, and I've always made weird voices and sounds and stuff. Uh, I don't know why. Well, like, you know, my, my brother and I communicate half through just weird sounds and noises and nonsense phraseology. And I guess it's part, uh, part of it's just growing up on things like Monty Python and Princess Bride. And you just kind of bounce around your living room, spouting, reenacting those movies you love and all the different voices. And I guess I never got over it. Nice. What, what's your go-to classic movie? Um, I would have to say, 
both that they, they kind of, I think I'd say Princess Bride, honestly. Like, I've probably watched that movie more than any other movie. Because um, it's, it, it's fun for everyone. It's just, it's just full of joy. It's just, it's just a very joyous movie. It's made with joy. It's written so well. Uh, I remember reading William Goldman's book about screenwriting uh, many, many years the, ago. That's not the cat book, is it? No, no, no. That, although I did narrate the second Save the yes, Cat series. <laughs> yeah. uh, Save the Cat Strikes Back. All right. The, question, the original question was, are you, were you weird, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I'll, I'll just are you still I'll, weird? Leave, I'll leave that to your listeners to <laughs> decide. Do any acting in school? Yeah, yeah. I acted. Uh, my mom was, for lack of a better term, uh, the producer of a uh, uh, educational children's theater in Kentucky. Um, so theater was sort of ever present in my life, and she would take us to Actors Theater of Louisville. Uh, during the Humana Festival, especially um, the Humana Festival of New American Plays is, I don't know if it's still the biggest new play festival in the country, but uh, it's a big one. And so we just see all sorts of weird shows and kind of edgy shows, probably, probably a little bit earlier than we should have been seeing them. But uh, like our, <laughs> my, like the biggest celebrity growing up to my brother and I was this, uh, a local actor named V. Craig Heinrich, Heinrich, I think V. Craig Heinrich. He was like a in the repertory company at Actors Theater, um, and we we bumped into him in a movie theater once. And my mom was like, "Guys, that's V. Craig," and we were like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And we were like hiding behind her leg, whatever. And she, so she's like, "I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go say." And we're like, "No, mom, don't do it, don't do it." She's like, "Hi, I'm Matilda Andrews." Um, uh, and. You know, and he didn't have any idea what to do with us. We were, we were like, "Hi!" She was like, he, "You're you're their favorite actor," and he's like, "I, what? That? I I work in a you know a regional theater in Kentucky. Uh, great." <laughs> he was just so taken uh, taken off guard by it. Um, but yeah, so I, I I grew up around theater, and I guess I started doing it in earnest in middle school. Like I was in the drama club. Um, but I did a lot of it. And I, I did a, I was in the clown alley where I like studied uh, the guy who was the drama teacher there was also a former Ringling Brothers clown. Uh, and so he taught us, he didn't teach us, you know, he didn't teach us balloon animals and stuff. He taught us how to do pratfalls and kind of serious stunt work when I look back on it, like how to fall off 10 foot ladders and, and jump over chairs and which actually I lost my nerve for that as of like two years in, because you literally are just supermaning out uh, about, you know, four, five feet off the ground and then landing on your chest. And it, there's kind of no way for that not to hurt. <laughs> you can do it so that you don't get injured, but it always hurts. And I, uh, yeah, just ring my bell. Um, but so I, I did that a lot. I went hard into it in middle school and, uh, Eventually kind of burned out uh, by... Which explains why you do a lot of acting in a chair now. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, <laughs> right, I, because I broke both my legs clowning, falling off ladders. Um, <laughs> it's a tragic story. The tragic story of McLeod Andrews, but the redemption of audiobooks. Uh, 
Yeah, I burnt out in eighth grade because I was just doing it so nonstop and didn't act again until my senior year of high school. I just played soccer and nobody had any idea that I had an acting background and uh, uh, a teacher and uh, a peer, uh, you know, egged me on to try out for the school play. I think it was The Outsiders. No, no, no. It was As You Like It. And mm, uh, nice. and I ended up getting cast in the lead in it. Uh, and and I just kind of remembered how much uh, I remembered how much I loved doing it. And uh, and then at that point, uh, you know, at 17 or 18, I was like, OK, yeah, I know I want to be an actor. I want to pursue this. Went to college, uh, did it as much as I could in college, became a theater major, though I swore that I wouldn't, uh, you know, because you still have your parents being like, don't become a theater major. What are you going to do with that degree? Um, I was I was dead set on being a neuroscience uh, theater double major, but uh, <laughs> my my advisor, wow. yeah, yeah, I that that didn't even come close to happening though. So, <laughs> um, because I, this is like my sophomore year, my advisor who had washed out of med school, um, not washed out because he couldn't do it. He was just like, I don't I don't want to be doing this anymore. Uh, he and he got his PhD in gender studies, and he he ended up talking to me, and he was just like, "Well, McLeod, he was Brazilian, and he was like, McLeod, um, okay, so neuroscience and and theater. Um, do you are you planning to go to med school? Do you want to become a doctor?" And I was like, "No." He's like, "Okay, um, do you do you want to be an actor?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I think so." And he was like, "Okay, okay, well, let me ask you." Why ruin your life? <laughs> and it, to which I, uh, we both laughed, and he was like, "You know," but then it's because you know you do you have labs at the same time that you would have rehearsals, and trying to make your schedule work would just be hell. And for for all my curiosity about science and uh, other subject matters, there's I, I don't think there's anywhere else I could spend. 12 hours of my day like I could spend 12 hours of my day in a in a dark theater uh <laughs> with no sunlight and and feel like I hadn't done any work at all I man, that makes it sound like well of course because it's not work um <laughs> but I yeah says so somebody who has never done it right exactly says so someone who has never done it but uh yeah I, I it didn't it it never felt like time wasted when I was in a theater or working on, on a film set or uh uh, you know, recording a book. It just, uh, that's one of the most valuable things I learned in, in, in college was there's a difference between what sounds good to know and what you enjoy learning. Um, yeah. you know, because aspirationally you're like, oh man, it would be so cool to be a poli sci major, or it would be so cool to know a bunch about neuroscience, for example, or genetics. And then the actual process of learning that isn't the same as the idea of being that person. So, yeah. yeah. And now you get to narrate the uh, nonfiction book. That's right. And now I get to just read books about it. Yeah. So, do you feel like you've made it? <laughs> in it, in a way, yeah. Uh, to an extent, uh, I really, I, I feel like this is a horrible thing to say, weirdly, but I really enjoy my life. I, awesome. Yeah. I, why Why is that horrible? I don't know, because everyone's supposed to be like, 
it makes people feel bad if someone oh my god enjoys that's it. a that's a shitty rule man i know that's, it is a no. shitty rule um <laughs> no i i'm very you know obviously I, I i've i've done my fair share of uh you know when i got out of college i did the theater thing in new york and and i'm not that good at auditioning and it's not fun and it's anxiety inducing and it's uh um and uh sort of just emotionally draining you know you one 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 big audition suddenly like a day of your life if not the night it, like a day of your life and then the night before are just gone because you're you're cramming it's it's like basically your life is cramming for a test every single time an audition comes up and uh yeah. um so now you know i i get to read stories and play and then on the side, I get to go, I still, I found, you know, people who I love collaborating with and I get to make movies now and then and still, you know, act with my face, um, <laughs> um, which I'm, which uh, the more and more I see it, I think, oh, I, this isn't the right choice. <laughs> this, <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't my strong suit. <laughs> beard or no beard? Uh, both. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Um. You mean just do I do I tend to act with my beard or no beard or do, do you prefer? Oh, do I prefer? Well, now I'm no beard. I I went pretty hard and heavy for a while. Um, yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I did. I think I probably had a good six inches hanging off my face, uh, which was cool. But also now I can eat egg sandwiches and not ruin my life. <laughs> you can drink a cup of coffee. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, so it's it's great because I still get to scratch that itch and not to say that I wouldn't love to do TV or bigger films than the ones that I do, but I'm certainly not unhappy. Uh nice. Yeah, so in that regard, yeah, I think it's hard to say I haven't made it. Uh uh I think it'd be kind of shitty of me to be like, "No, life my life is so hard." Oh god. Um so but, misunderstood. Yeah, right. I'm so misunderstood. <laughs> I mean, and that said, I I truly think what what drives happiness in people and why people who you know have so much or still describe themselves as unhappy is kind of momentum is really I think what what gives people a sense of satisfaction and that idea of moving towards something which which I, I think the movies kind of fulfilled that to me like where we're kind of building something every time. There's this. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, I had more to that thought, but I lost the thread. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> um, so, uh, before we run out of time, I, I want to make sure I ask, can we get any sort of, uh, like a heads up with what to expect with Hollywood dead? Oh God, I don't want to ruin anything. I, oh, other, come on. I will say this. It, it, it's, it's just you and me, man. <laughs> it's not. It's just, it's just you and me and all the people <laughs> who are listening or who will listen. Uh, it's, I will say it was one of my, it's been one of my favorite uh, in the series. Um, and maybe what, maybe what I like is different from what uh, certain fans like, but um, I think there's a little bit more relationship oriented plot lines in there and introspection which is not to say there isn't tons of action as well um but i love it when it's grounded in sort of character and how and i also i like i like stark i like him so much and i like 
the things that concern him and the things that worry him. Uh, there's one character who's definitely, there's a character in there who's, uh, who, uh, as soon as I was done with him, as soon as his scenes were done, I was like, okay, that, that guy is definitely one of my favorite characters in the series, like to, to have voiced, uh, because Mm -hmm. I just, I try, I, I just went for it, uh, with him, uh, uh, what's his name? I think it's Hedrun. Yeah, there's a character named Hed- Hedrun. If I can say that, I don't. I don't know. You can say it. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, but he was a he's a he was a Who's gonna know? he was a real fun character to uh, to voice. Hopefully it hopefully it turns out as good as it felt to do. But <laughs> it was one of those characters where you get in the pocket and you're just kind of like okay, 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 and you just get hyper focused and a little tense because you want to keep riding the wave. Like I feel mm-hmm. like the best moments or the moments in audiobooks that I'm most satisfied with are kind of like surfing. You kind of catch, you catch something, you catch a flow of the prose and you kind of, you want to stay in the pocket to make football, to mix metaphors, but, uh, and just like ride that wave and, and, you know, just if there's an interruption or if you make a mistake, you want the punch to be as quick and short as possible to just kind of keep, keep it frothing and, driving forward and that that character in that scene was kind of one of them where i was just like okay oh yeah yeah, this is working all right (laughs) (laughs) nice you ever go back and listen to your stuff or when you're done recording that's it you're done i don't listen through it all i i check in on it i kind of just uh there's certainly scenes where i wish i could pull out and be like ah how did that where i want to know how it turned out but i'll usually just stop it listening to the sample to just be like did that Am am I am I has did my voice implode, <laughs> or or is it still a marketable uh, <laughs> audiobook? Um, you've, you've still got room for more whiskey. You're fine, right? No whiskey. I hate it, but ugh, I hate. Don't do you ever deal with this? The fact that your voice kind of sounds awesome after like a night of like drinking a little bit too much. Uh, you know, honestly, I just keep drinking. <laughs> Just, I just just to just to keep that voice. I'm drunk right time. now. <laughs> no, I did actually. Um, I did once because it, there was one time with Sandman Slim where I was like, "Well, it's Sandman Slim. Like, come on, it's he's drinking whiskey all the time." Where I was like, I was in the booth and I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna have a little splash of scotch," and uh, and it didn't help. I, I immediately stopped. I was like, "Nope, nope, <laughs> terrible idea. Everything's dried out. I can't even do." It weirdly it made it harder for me to do Stark's kind of gravelly grit. I was like, I was like, oh wow, no, nope, can't do that. Huh. Yeah. There was one, I think it was the third, I shouldn't be saying this because publishers may be listening, but there was one time where I was hungover, really hungover, doing a Sandman Slim. But that uh, just just for one day, just one day of it. But it worked great. It was, <laughs> you know, it's it's fit, it's method acting. Exactly. I just had to know it. I just had to touch it. It's not. I'm not going to make it like a thing. But uh, those and those, I think, actually are the only two times I've ever had alcohol involved in a narration. <laughs> yeah. No. I I I totally get that. There's no way with uh, you would just you would dry out. Yeah, you would have to exactly, and that's exactly what happens. You just massively dry out it's terrible cool well man thank you so much thank you for uh taking time out to talk to me i really appreciate it uh before i let you go um big things you've got coming up where people can find you anything like that you want to share 
Uh, I'm not a very good self promoter. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I suck at it. I hate it. Uh, yeah, you know, I guess keep your eyes. I, I have a Facebook page that I dedicate just to sort of the acting and and narration uh, side of things that I think is just called McLeod Andrews Actor Narrator, uh, where you know if people want to drop me a line, I, I try to get back in touch with them. Uh, Twitter is I'll, I'll, Twitter. I'll hunt my, down links and stuff, and I'll put them in the yeah, show and notes. I, I can send them to you too. And uh, cool, Twitter is sort of my go-to social media drug, I guess. Um, and I think I'm just at McLeod Andrews. Uh, nice. Uh, yeah, and then and 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 Hollywood Dead eight twenty eight. Hollywood Dead eight twenty eight, and then uh, I get that the movie about the ghost who, who or the guy who falls in love with the ghost is called A Ghost Waits, directed by okay. Adam Stovall. Also, nice. A, yes. a, an audiobook narrator. I mean, oh. I mean, uh, director. Adam Stovall. Okay. Anyway, I'm, I'm making, I'm ruining your, 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 your clean end. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, man. It's, it's, we can fix it in post. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Well, um, you have a wonderful evening. Oh, thank and, you. You uh, as well. Thank you. Um, I'm going to stop recording now and we'll spend a, a few minutes chatting in, in which you'll just be like okay man that was terrible <laughs> <laughs> and as always a very special shout out to our patreon patrons there's c stephen manley colleen o'malley jackson mike johnson audiobooks after dark zachary mcelroy and dogan foster if you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to lend your support and get your name mentioned at the end of an episode like this all you have to do is head over to patreon.com forward slash sorceress and sign up to support us at the wisecracking wizarding level or higher. Thank you so much. And that's it for this time. Thanks for dropping by. We really hope you enjoyed it and will come back and see us again. You can find Sorceress on iTunes, Stitcher, and our website, Sorceress. That's S-O-R-C-E-R-O dot U-S. And you can find me at jamesnarrates.com, where you'll find a list of audiobooks, demos, and all the usual stuff. If you're enjoying Sorceress, please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, and if you're really enjoying it, it'd be mighty kind of you to drop a buck or two in the kitty. You can make a per-episode donation by signing up at patreon.com forward slash sorceress, or you can make a one-time donation by visiting paypal.me forward slash jamesnarrates, any support, no matter how small, is greatly appreciated, and it'll help us keep on keeping on. So until next time, when things go bump in the night, remember to bump back. Is anybody?